You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Key Reese. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And we are gearing up for a very exciting 24 hours of television because the new Sex in the City revival and just like that is coming out. And of course, there's some juicy tea floating around the internet today that we have to talk about. And of course, it's in relation to that old story that never really dies, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall's rumoured, confirmed feud. We're going to get into what some people have had to say about it and why we think this will not die. But before we do that, we have the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. So the first trailer for the upcoming Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts TV special has been released. And look, I know I'm usually pretty much of a Grinch, but guys, it was damn magical. I watched it three times with a bit of a tear in my eye. And I'm not even that big of a fan of the movies. It's just so cute, though. So the retrospective special, which airs on January 1, comes 20 years after the release of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the film that kicked off J.K. Rowling's best-selling book franchise on the big screen. So in this very short teaser, look, we don't get to see a lot, but it gets the job done. So we get a glimpse of some of the beloved faces from the movies, including Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid, and Matthew Lewis, who played Neville, who were seen receiving their hour-delivered invitations to a very special event. So it's the iconic Hogwarts letters that they received to a special event. You can see other characters also receiving their letters, but you can't see their faces. And then you see them boarding the train at platform nine and three quarters to Hogwarts. So the teaser then goes on to list all the cast members who are participating in the TV special, so including the core trio, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint and Emma Watson, as well as Helena Bonham Carter, Imelda Stutton, Tom Felton, Bonnie Wright and Ivana Lynch. And they also say more to be announced, so there should be some surprise faces in there. Not JK Rowling, of course, because as we previously discussed on the pod, she said a lot of problematic things over the last couple of years and she is not invited to be part of the special. So the TV special actually marked the first time most of this cast has been back together since filming the franchise. And in Australia, you'll be able to watch that January 1 on Binge. Well, things got a little crazy yesterday when news broke of SNL star Pete Davidson's return to Instagram. But it's not exactly what you're thinking. So he actually posted from the official at Calvin Klein page, popping up a mirror selfie with his freshly manicured hands flashing the peace sign, captioned, I got Instagram. Short and sweet, very to the point. Almost immediately, rapper and Pete's longtime best friend, Machine Gun Kelly, commented, are you going to post us in our undies? And then shortly after that, Machine Gun Kelly posted a selfie of him to his own Instagram stories, sorry, stay with me, with his Calvin Jocks visible and the caption, hey, at Calvin Klein, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time tonight, question mark? And at 5pm Pacific Standard Time, Pete and Machine Gun Kelly went live on Calvin Klein's page. And look, it was a pretty decent effort. I think we're going to get into our thoughts in a little bit, but was just filled with so much manic pixie dream boy energy that it was just beyond. Okay, so anyway... So let me try and run you through this because the audio, I can't play it for you. We'll link it in the Facebook group and put it in the show notes. But basically, 
The two of them were in some weird rented porno mansion, their words, not mine, sitting on this like white couch with popcorn that was video games. And the whole kind of shtick of the bit was that they were super excited to find out that they had booked this big Calvin Klein ad and it was going to be really iconic and they'd obviously been training on their buff bodies for weeks in preparation or not eating, which was confusing. They'd been watching videos on The Rock's Instagram. So they were really surprised when this was kind of their ad. So they then like went on to discuss like the poses that they'd been practicing and then they demonstrated those poses that they would have used in the real shoot and like stripping off their jeans and their sweatpants in the process and like taking turns at doing it on the couch. And then they kind of traded a couple compliments on each other's junk. (laughs) They talked about the fact that they would have definitely absolutely like stuffed some socks in their underpants in the real shoot and quote, just blowing the world's mind. So I'm not going to lie, it was super weird like it was weird it was not scripted in any way and I feel like obviously this is the precursor to their actual shoot but it's still to be confirmed but my favorite bit which I did if you follow me on Instagram I did post it to my stories last night is this bit of audio hope everyone's horny at home mm-hmm. yeah. you really brought the horniness for sure I mean, uh, we bring the horniness. Yeah. I mean, that's what it says. If you look up Machine Gun Kelly on the Urban Dictionary, it and, says horniness. And Pete, and Pete Davidson it also has a simile to that. Yeah. It's called BDE. Yeah. Respectfully. That's insanely embarrassing, but yes, it is true. I mean. It's funny because obviously he was trying to pay out Machine Gun Kelly and he walked into that BDE comment, <laughs> Yeah, which was so good. Laura, dying to know what you thought. Are you really? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, the first thing I saw of this, because I was so busy, like, working away yesterday, the first thing I saw of it was that very sexually overt thing that you posted to your Instagram story. So I, I was like, oh, she's definitely going to want to do this on the pod tomorrow. Look, To I, which my <laughs> dear fiancé immediately wrote me a message saying, yo, WTF? Like, <laughs> so I just responded, hurry home, XX. Oh, great. <laughs> thinking that you were going to be lying on the couch and Calvin Klein's throwing popcorn up in the air and saying, who's horny at home? Oh, Charlie, what a treat for you. Okay, well, I can't even think of what I was saying now. Oh, yes. I think as far as like... Paid Instagram partnerships go. This was a very clever one. And this little group of celebs that we're so obsessed with at the moment because of their oddball sexual relationships. So Pete and Kim Kardashian, Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox. And I feel like Travis Barker was sitting at home looking at his phone being like, why wasn't I included in this? I am the third sexy oddball in this weird pop culture moment we're having. So in terms of ads and paid partnerships, it was very cleverly done. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter say that they had the energy of like two naughty goblins who escaped and who were like wreaking havoc in a house before like a family came home. And that is definitely the energy I got from them, which I think was definitely on purpose. It's definitely on purpose. Like they they both knew how ridiculous it was. But it was like, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm not as interested in them unless their girlfriends are with them. Like maybe that's just Oh, you didn't think it was interesting? I thought it was interesting. I thought it would be funnier. In the past, like interviews that Machine Gun Kelly's done, he's actually quite funny too and obviously Pete's hilarious. I just thought it would be funner. I don't know if they were stoned or what, but like it could have been a bit funnier. 
but it was fine. No, no, that's a fair and good critique. You signed up for something and they didn't deliver, which I'm sure they'd be embarrassed about. Yeah, because I looked around the internet for like best reactions, funniest kind of moments, and there wasn't really a lot of that. I mean, it did make headlines everywhere, so I guess that's what they were after. And yeah, exactly. Great throwback to the BDE comment. I feel like that just hasn't been brought up enough given current events recently, that whole thing needs to be resurfaced. I also thought it was interesting how, like, Machine Gun Kelly just always gives oddball. Like, I just don't see the allure there, aside the fact that he's very, very tall and rich. But Pete Davidson, like, I know he was trying to just be a screwball comedian, but he still looked so hot when he was lying on the couch, like, pulling his pants down. I'm like, why do you look hot? You look so weird. This is such a weird thing. There is no rhyme or reason. (laughs) Just don't question it. Just go with it. Go with the flow of Pete Davidson. It's been 17 years since the series ended and 11 since the second movie was released. And in less than 24 hours, the new Sex and the City revival, and just like that, Was that Carrie enough? I'm not sure. We'll debut on Binge and we cannot wait to see these stories play out on screen. But there is an old story that is haunting the cast and press tours this week were no exception. I'm talking about, of course, the Sarah Jessica Parker, Kim Cattrall feud. And while some chose to kind of sort of take the high road, though the more I listen to this audio, the kind of diggier it becomes, Kristen Davis, so aka Charlotte, when she was asked about the departure of character Samantha, who was played by Kim Cattrall, on the US Today show. Kristen, really quickly, does this series, (laughs) does it explain what happened to Samantha? Yes! Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, yes. There's an explanation. We love Samantha. Samantha is never not going to be a part in some way, Mm -hmm. right? So there is respect for Samantha, it's part of the story. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's quite the we tease. We would never disrespect Samantha. All right. And that's how you deliver a pre-prepared answer to a tricky question. Well, others weren't as savvy. And in an interview with The Guardian that was released yesterday, Chris North, a.k.a. Big, made it clear which team he was on. So journalist Hadley Freeman starts a piece with a quote from Chris, which reads, I'm not supposed to talk for this long. I told my publicist beforehand, I need to keep this short so I don't give quotes I regret, chuckles Chris North. And then she writes, too late for that. And about halfway through the piece, Freeman finally asks, why do you think Cattrall isn't in the new series? And Chris North says, I have to tell you, I have absolutely no idea what her thinking is or her emotions. I do know that I'm very close with SJ, as in Sarah Jessica, and Kim's descriptions of her don't even come close. I liked her. I thought she was marvellous in the show, and some people move on for their own reasons. I don't know what hers were. I just wish that this whole thing had never happened because it was sad and uncomfortable. She then asks, did it put the rest of the crew in an awkward position? To which he says, I just don't like to see anyone talking down about SJ because she's a target and people can be nasty. I feel very protective of her and I was not happy about that. That's all I'll say about that. Laura Brodnick, over to you. Yeah, Chris Noth, we all wish this hadn't happened, okay? (laughs) It's awful and it's traumatic and I still feel the pain of that day where Kim Cattrall put up that Instagram post about Sarah Jessica Parker talking about how awful she was and wishing that she would go away and saying that she wasn't a real friend. I think the hearts of millennial women across the world just broke at that. 
I was buying Cosmo ingredients yesterday at the shops to, so I can make them tomorrow night because I'm a real nurse. Sex and oh my so God, I can that's make so them, cute. So I can Stop make it. them tomorrow night for the premiere. And I actually felt a pang of sadness thinking Samantha wasn't in it. But I think the most important kind of takeaway from what he said, I mean, it's so interesting that he's defending Sarah Jessica Parker and what he said lines up with what everyone else on that production has said about her and her other co-stars and that sort of thing. Usually when these kind of allegations come out, they can open up a bit of a free-for-all and then all these stories start pouring out and that hasn't happened this time around, which, I mean, kind of does make you think maybe this was just a singular issue between these two women that played out over many years and a lot of stuff happened that we'll never know about. But I thought it was really interesting when he said that Sarah Jessica Parker is a target because she absolutely is. And I think that is the crux of why this story has blown up so much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can, in that Today Show interview that we used the audio, Kristen Davis said that she and Sarah Jessica Parker were on like a media blackout. Basically, they weren't reading anything because they kind of knew the reaction that the announcement of the new series was going to have and regards to them aging and, of course, what place do women have being on TV over 50 but they weren't kind of ready for just how horrible it was going to be. So they made the conscious effort to really like protect themselves from that critique. Because when I was reading the rest of that Guardian piece as well, like it was interesting hearing kind of, and we'll link it in our show notes because it's quite interesting, just the backstory on like how that show was targeted always for different things. And it's kind of, I think, the reason why this story won't die as well. I think it all kind of comes together. They will always blame Sex and the City for kind of ruining what New York was because they showed a very specific version of what it was. They were also really critiqued around the lack of diversity on the show back then when other shows like Seinfeld and Friends weren't. So there's this just thread of things that they're always unfairly judged on. And at the crux of it, it's because they're a woman. And of course, if there's a feud, it can't just be the fact that colleagues in a working environment didn't get on outside of working environment. It has to be this huge cut fight. We want more details. Give us a juice. What happened? Did she steal your wardrobe? Like we can't let it die. Yeah, exactly. But when he says she was targeted, I think that's a very specific nod to the media that we like to consume at the moment because it was a kind of a perfect storm for this to blow up. I mean, it was always going to be a huge thing because it was two women on a show about friendship and the idea that what we were seeing on screen wasn't happening behind the cameras was huge to people. I mean, we talked about on the pod previously how huge movie franchises like The Fast and the Furious have Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel like having this huge cat fight, I would call it, for years and years on end. And that's a show about friendship and family and no one really picks up on that. But I think for Sarah Jessica Parker, it was a perfect storm because in the last couple of years, there's two main narratives around women in pop culture that the media eats up, including us, and that people just want to read about and consume. And one facet of that is the idea that these women who were poorly targeted by media in the past, so Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, all those people are having their redemption arcs. But the flip side of that is like there's this real hunger to bring down the good girls and the women in media who we had seen who, you know, had built their brands on kindness and friendship and women empowerment. I mean, we saw it happen with Chrissy Teigen. Obviously what happened around her always would have been a media storm and what she said were awful. No one's denying that. But I think there was more of a kind of fever around it because she'd had this relatable girls, girl, family, stand up for justice persona. And the same thing happened with Ellen. I mean, we've 
we've talked before about how lots of talk show hosts who have empires like that have also had allegations around toxic behaviour in workplaces. But because Ellen was like, you know, she was very like women and kindness and stand up for each other and I'm friends with everyone in Hollywood and all that sort of thing. And that's why people were so much more thirsty for her downfall. And I think we saw the same thing with Sarah Jessica Parker because she's an unlikely villain. And I think people, when you're looking at famous women in the media right now, as much as we love a redemption story, we also like an unlikely female villain. And Sarah Jessica Parker, for years, we saw her as Carrie Bradshaw. You know, she would dress like Carrie Bradshaw on red carpets and she kind of had this magical air about her. She has a shoe shop in New York. Like, you know what I mean? Like she really lent into the whole Carrie thing. And if you go into the shoe shop, she's often working in there and she will help you find shoes. And she's got this real magical Carrie energy where she's like, I just want to help you look beautiful and all this kind of stuff. So the idea that she wasn't that behind behind the scenes, I think made for a perfect storm for people to want to turn against her. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. And I'm even you bringing up the nice girl persona, it, those are the words that even Kim Cattrall used in that initial statement in 2019 yes. when she started everything. You know, she says, I'm, so I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. So it's almost like she handed the feud on a platter to exactly. the media she to then knew. run wild. Yeah. She knew that was like the red flag that would get everyone's attention is putting the nice girl persona in there because no one wants to believe that that's true now. We just want bad girls gone good and good girls gone bad. It's really retro when you think about it. Like we think we're being very progressive with the way we talk about women in media and like things are definitely better than they used to be. But it's like we can't lift one side up without pushing the other side down. And unfortunately, the side side that we're pushing down is women who have had that girl's girl, nice girl persona throughout their career. Well, at least we're safe. Why? Because we need a redemption arc or we don't have nice girl personas? Damn it, I know. (laughs) You don't have a nice girl persona. I, on the other hand, am a bad girl turned good, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say the opposite. I'd say you're a very good girl when you came on this podcast and you've been ever slightly corrupted. You would never have sussed me when we first started. That's very true. It took me a long time, but (laughs) I'm very comfortable doing that right now, let me tell you. Well, if you want to read the Guardian interview with Chris Noth, highly recommend he talks about the reaction to the women and how they've aged and gives a really good comment there. He also talks about Big, the character, and about Willie Garson, who's played Stanford, and about his death and how his storyline will play out in the new season. So it's a great read. We'll link it in the show notes for you. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. While you're listening, don't forget you've got to follow us in whatever podcast app you're using. Leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram at keyreese at laura underscore brodnick and then join the Facebook group. That's about five things you've got to do after listening to the podcast. No pressure, no pressure. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Maddie Joannu with audio production by Maddie Joannu. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.